Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. It's fine. It gets butchered all the time. (laughs) Good morning. Today, I have my uh, new friend, Billy Jouse. I met her 2016 that she speaks. She's a speaker, a writer, uh, working on her second book. I'm going to have her describe those to you. And um, also, she is a professional baseball wife, and I'll let her talk about that a little bit too. And mother of three sons, right? Which I'm always intrigued since I'm a mother of three daughters. (laughs) Uh, Billy, tell us first a little bit about your family and uh, your ministry and your books. And then we'll talk yeah, about um, I am originally from North Carolina, mm-hmm. Southern born, Southern bred, and I haven't lived there since I was 18 years old, which means about 110 years ago. Oh, yeah. But I cannot get rid of that Southern accent. So I there heard are it. words that are quite interesting when I say them. <laughs> I'm married to my husband, David. We're, we've been married 32 years. Absolutely crazy that it's been that long. A lot of enjoyment, excitement, ups and downs, just unbelievable blessings. But we have three sons. Our oldest just turned 30, which is another one of those milestones that you're like, I'm not old enough to have a 30-year-old. Like, you're 30, I'm not. Um, and so we have our oldest, our middle, and our youngest. Our oldest is is an area scout with the San Francisco Giants. Mm. And he lives in Chicago and looks for amateur players there. I didn't tell you what my husband did, but I will in a minute. My boys are take the the spotlight in most. My middle son is a a sports psychologist. He is a Mm. mental conditioning coach with the Arizona Diamondbacks. But because we've lived in Venezuela and Dominican Republic, he speaks Spanish fluently. So he oversees the Latin American population for the Diamondbacks in their mental conditioning program. And then our youngest son is a pitching coach at a university called Limestone University in South Carolina. Hmm. So I prayed many, many days that my sons would not go into baseball <laughs> and they have, I prayed for their, I pray for their future wives now, just because yeah. it's a different life. My husband is right now we're with the New York Mets. He's a bench coach with the New York Mets, but this is our 34th baseball season in professional baseball. We've spent 18 of those in the major leagues. And then the other years we've had minor league jobs scouting jobs, front office jobs. I think he's done about everything there is to do in baseball when it comes to a professional job. Okay. I have two questions. How many, how many times have you moved and what's your favorite baseball movie? Oh my goodness. Okay. So moving, I don't know because at one point we were moving four times a year. Oh dear. Yeah. And then on normal years, we move at least twice a year, if not four times a year. Um, Just to give you a rundown, last year was COVID, so in 2020, so it was a little different. Um, Years before that, we would pack up and move to spring training, pack up and move to the season, pack up and move home, pack up and move to winter ball, which is a whole nother thing. That's why we've lived in the Venezuela and Dominican Republic pack up to come back home, pack up to go to spring training. So it's an 
it's an evolving packing and moving. We don't move our entire house. So it's a little different than my military friends Mm -hmm. who helped me survive in the younger days of baseball with younger kids and my husband being gone so much. Mm -hmm. It was different when our kids were in school. We homeschooled for a while. And then when they went to middle school, high school, we settled down. Or shall I say, I did. David continued going. I stayed Mm -hmm. back home. Um, And then my favorite baseball movie is Sandlot. Oh, of course. Oh my gosh. I raised three boys. That was our life. Our backyard in Mm -hmm. one of our houses had a field with a great big gray wall in the back. And um, I was always very outgoing and very outdoorsy. So playing sports with the boys, you know, all the neighborhood kids would come to our house and play baseball in the backyard with wiffle ball and wiffle ball bats until it got dark. And then we'd play flashlight tags and I'd bake <laughs> cookies and we'd have, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. We'd have 40 kids in our backyard at wow. you know, eight o'clock at night, but wow. all the moms the neighborhood knew where they were. Yeah. We lived in the city of Boston and um, during the summer or when it was warm enough out that we could actually survive outside. We were outside with the kids. Wonderful. The Sandlot is very reminiscent of my boys growing up. I've always loved that movie. Okay. I'm going to watch it this weekend. It's been you a while. It's, it's been horrible. Well, we, I don't, maybe I should wait. Often. Yeah. Well, this, this, uh, well, we're looking at the Super Bowl when we're recording this coming up. So maybe yeah. it won't be this weekend, but I will definitely make a lot of goodies like caramel apples and uh, popcorn and get myself some guacamole and watch that. So that sounds good. Uh, so, Billy, you've written a book already, and I love the title, Making Room. And tell us why you felt, tell us the whole title and then what is the theme and, the, and why you decided you wanted to write it. Yeah, Making Room, Doing Less So God Can Do More. And Mm -hmm. that book was the beginning of my writing journey. I had really been, I started out in life career as a nurse. I was an ICU nurse with David's traveling and all of that. I stepped away from nursing to, to be able to travel and raise the boys and homeschool and do all that. I started writing devotions for Baseball Chapel, which is an organization that does um, discipleship with baseball people, women and men. I started writing those back in the early 2000s, and but didn't consider myself a writer. And then as my youngest son was heading in his senior year, I was really praying, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? I don't know what to do next. And there was a sermon series at our church on the immeasurably more God wanted to do in and through your life. And I really just started praying through that sermon series and praying for what the Lord wanted. And he kept taking me to writing. About that same time, my girlfriend from Boston, at that point we had moved to Florida, but my girlfriend in Boston was writing a book on how to write a novel in 10 minutes a day. And she had been contracted for the book and asked me to help guinea pig the book, you know, go Mm -hmm. through the exercises, see if it works. And during that, well, when she asked me, I said, Catherine, I'm not a writer. Her name's Catherine Grubb, and she's got a great Facebook group, 10-Minute Novelist, on Facebook. But Mm. I said, Catherine, I'm not a writer. And she goes, Billy, you've been writing devotions for over 10 years. Mm. You're a writer. I'm like, I'm not a writer. I just write them. I send them in. They edit it and publish it. She goes, Billy, that's what a writer is. So that's how green <laughs> I was in the writing process. And that was 2015. And so I just started talking to people I knew that had written books, 
you know, buying books on how to write a book proposal. I went to She Speaks where the second year I met you there. And um, I went to She Speaks in 2015. Like all of this was happening 2014, 15, put a book proposal together, had no idea what I was doing and got a lot of good feedback. Like, hey, you're not quite there, honey. Like you need a business card and a website. I didn't even have <laughs> that at the first She Speaks. And so in that process, working through that book, I started journaling and just the process of where I was going, where, where God was calling me and how the busyness in my life had taken over to my connection with the Lord. And, and it sounds crazy that this all was happening at the same time. But when you look back, it seems so clear. But there are so many things happening that I didn't see it. I didn't see it as clear as it was, you know, and and so in that process of journaling, it really narrowed down that book and that book proposal. And that's how that book came to be, was just that journey that I went on with the Lord of really clearing my spirit of all the outside influences that were happening for me to connect with him, for him to allow him to work in me and then to work through me. For those who haven't read your book, Making Room, uh, what would be one uh, baby step that they could take today to make room for God? Yeah, my biggest thing is we we think, and, and this is the funniest thing, this book came out in 2018, right? And then the 2020 pandemic hit. And in 2018, we all were so busy and we had so many things going on that in that book, it really helped narrow down how to prioritize what was important and what wasn't. You know, how could we really structure our lives in a way where that busyness wasn't overtaking everything that we were? And it was funny in 2020 that our lives were really funneled into not a lot going on, but we still weren't connecting. I don't know, maybe you guys were, but I found that I there were things that I couldn't use the excuse of a busy schedule. You know, when my kids left the home, I couldn't use their busy baseball schedule, right. basketball schedule, football schedule, theater schedule, you know, whatever it was that was keeping me busy. And I really had to dig into the Lord. And so in that book, if you feel like you're really overwhelmed with life, a lot of young moms feel that way because so much is going on and so many decisions are being having to be made that it really does help you focus on what is important and what is it. I, uh, it resonated what you just said because I have an empty nest now. So why aren't I producing more is a should of shame often that I've been feeling these, even these last um, months of sheltering at home. I thought, okay, well, I have this time. Maybe I should write like three books or go do something, you know, go to India or whatever, if they'd let me do something yeah. productive because I don't have uh, what we used to call rugrats around my ankles. And a drape ape says, <laughs> my youth group director used to call us, yeah. that uh, they're not running around, they're not taking my time, but, but we have inner clamorings as women. We have clamorings, those who want our attention, like my daughter just texted me, but we have even more stronger inner uh, turmoil, I think at times, shoulds of shame where we are not quite producing enough. So I can see this book as being something that would be so helpful to a woman at any age or stage, whatever their kids are doing. So your yeah. second book is only at a working title at the time that we are recording. Maybe by the time this is out, um, we will have the real title, but what working title? Yeah. 
what, re- what working title do you have right now? The working title I have is Distraction Detox, Release Emotional Barriers, Restructure Priorities, and Realize God's Best. Wow. What happened with my last book is we taught in one of the chapters, I talked a lot about external distractions. And I just sort of skimmed the topic of internal distractions. Mm -hmm. Well, that ended up being one of the chapters that people, it resonated with them so much that it wasn't just the external distractions, but the internal distractions. And I kept getting a lot of people wanting me to talk, have, you know, to go out and speak to their women's groups or their, you know, or even girls in baseball wanted to hear more about the internal distractions. So this book that I'm writing right now is more about those internal distractions and how we rid ourselves of those so that we can figure out what is the priority in our lives because God didn't call us to hold on to shame and regret or anger or all the things that we all of a sudden say, oh, I'm going to have quiet time with the Lord and then go, well, maybe the Lord doesn't want to talk to me because I, I, I'm, I'm not as good as, as I should be. Mm-hmm. I, I've got these things in the past that I can't get rid of. I'm a failure. I, I'm not as good as her, but because I'm not as good as her, is not because she's better than me, but I don't think I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of this uh, young college grad she came out for coffee and she had really fallen away from the Lord while she was at college and used to be a leader in the youth group. And she said, well, I'm about ready to come back to church. I just have to clean myself up mm-hmm. first. And I said, you know, that's not the way God works. He's better at cleaning us up anyway. <laughs> he's awesome. He's got that job in hand. Um, I understood her feeling though. She felt uh, like she didn't deserve to come back. And I think that's a way that Satan works on our on our hearts, especially with women, in a yep. sense that we are not good enough to even ask for God's forgiveness, and yet he's just been waiting. And so whenever I feel that shame, I go, I don't think that's from God. It's from Satan. Yeah. So that, that book sounds amazing. Today, our topic, of course, is always on legacy. And what would you say is your main legacy that you want others to uh, get from you in your life? I think the legacy, you know, we all want, in my last book of making room at the, in the last chapter, I talk about, I want to slide into heaven head first with dust piling up around me. And just when the dust clears, Jesus is smiling, saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. Isn't that the ultimate legacy Mm -hmm. we want? Mm -hmm. And then I think about what legacy do I want to leave here on earth? And it's not about me. The legacy I want to leave is not me. The legacy I want to leave is Jesus. I want to be able to allow people to see what God wants in and through their lives, no matter your past, no matter your present, no matter your future, that wherever God has you is because he wants you there. Whatever he's asking you to do is because he will equip you in doing it. We need to make sure that we're opening our spirit and opening our minds and our hearts and our souls for Jesus to do that work in us so that he can do that work through us. And those are the things that will be left behind. You've mentioned your moves. You've mentioned some of the challenges you've faced um, in clearing the way to God. Uh, What obstacles or challenges have you faced in trying to leave this particular legacy that it isn't about you, it's about Jesus? 
you know, for a long time, I struggled with my husband's job because my husband's job to many people is a very famous, exciting glitz and glamour. And it's not so much, you know, (laughs) those are, and I'm not, I don't mean to say it like, oh, it's awful. Hey, I love it. I love the baseball life. I love the 15 different cities and towns we've lived in. (laughs) I love people that we've met throughout it. You know, 95% of my, my Facebook friends are people we've met all over the world because of baseball. There's some great things about it, but there's also some hard and challenging things about it. And, you know, that's, that's where I find the obstacles for me um, over these years of trying to find a balance in all of that, mm-hmm. in being able to step out and be who God's called me to be and doing what he's called me to do and knowing that I'm good enough, um, you know, I'm, I'm well equipped with what the Lord has given me. And I'm not talking materialistic things. Mm-hmm. David and I look at baseball, not as a job, but as a mission field. Mm-hmm. God has given us this position to be able to serve him wherever he puts us. If that's in the streets of Venezuela during a riot, I can figure out how God wants me to serve there. If it's in the Dominican Republic, we were just there for three months um, in the winter for winter ball. If it's in the Dominican Republic during COVID, mm-hmm. what can we do while we're there to help those that are starving because unemployment's over 85% in the country? You know, what is it that God wants to do in and through us where we are when he has us there? Mm-hmm. And those are the, the obstacles I have to overcome is that I'm the one he wants to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's not to for fame and fortune it's for knowing that I've obeyed God and who he's created in me, me to be in what he's called me to do. Interestingly enough, on our way home from vacation, we did a road trip and we stayed in Vegas on the way home. And someone was making a big deal over this woman who had just walked in with a bunch of jewels and a sequin dress. And I go, well, who is she? And someone said, oh, she was just crowned Mrs. Mrs. Nevada. And I and people were taking their pictures with her. So I went over and um, I said, you know, you have a unique platform because uh, she told me she was a believer. Oh and God. I said, God has placed you there. She goes, oh, I know. And that's how I feel about anybody who has an elevated in the world's eyes position. Uh, my husband, in a sense, because he's a medical doctor, people, oh, he's a doctor, blah, blah, blah. I go, well, yeah, but, you know, he still snores. <laughs> We know the inside yeah. stories. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I had to raise those kids alone a lot when they were little. Um, and then you, as a professional baseball wife, you have a particular platform. And it's challenging, yes. But it sounds like to me that you've embraced the challenge as, Lord, how do you want me to serve you well for even the 15 minutes that we're living here? And I think that's a good lesson for anybody. You don't have to be a celebrity to have that mindset that, hey, there's a person begging over here. How do you want me to lift her up mm-hmm. and make her feel honored by God rather than shamed by me? And uh, anything we can do in that regard would be great. What wisdom uh, would you like to share with our Welcome Heart audience as we close? You know, I think about legacy and I think about a welcoming heart and a a story comes to mind for me when I was raising my boys in Major League Baseball stadiums because that was their playground in a sense. 
that one of the things that I taught them, and I had to teach myself because when you're first in professional baseball and you first get to the big leagues, you're like, oh, this is our time to shine. And I had to pull myself back and, and think, you know what? We need to love on people where they are, where we are. And so I taught my children and I taught myself that you are going to treat the number one baseball player on this team. And when we were first in the big leagues, that was Pedro Martinez. He's a big time pitcher, Hall of Fame pitcher. Um, You know, you're going to treat Pedro Martinez the same way that you're going to treat Sam that cleans the bathroom in the family room, the same way that you're going to treat Lori, who works at the beer stand, who gives you free French fries every time she you. You're going to treat it the same way that you do, you know, the guy that gives us our tickets, the person that parks our car, the fan that comes up to you and offers you a birthday gift and you don't know them, you know, but you're going to treat them with kindness because people know it's your birthday. So they bring you birthday presents. My kids Mm -hmm. loved that, but you're not going to just love the gift. You're going to love the person that's giving it to you. Mm -hmm. And so I want I think that's the welcoming heart that I always want to have is I want people to know that they're seen, know that they're loved and know that they're known by a loving God. And I'm the vessel that God's using to put that welcoming heart out there. And so that to me is the way of looking people in the eye, listening to listen, not to respond, you know, speak without being rude or accusing or or full of opinions and all of that, you know, give without asking in return. You know, those are just a few of those things that show God's love, that show God's heart through our lives. Mm. Have you found in uh, building this into your kids, have you seen them uh, model this as adults? Funny story. Yeah. Um, When my son was a teenager, he was working at a restaurant in one of the cities we were in restaurant bar, I will say it, it was a restaurant bar. And he was sweeping up, uh, you know, after games and stuff, helping them clean. And he's probably 16, 17 years old. And he was there a lot at night after games. But one day we left the apartment. We were going to go over to the ballpark and see my husband before the game started and before my son started work. And we walk out of the apartment onto the street corner. And this is the middle of the street. And all of a sudden I hear someone yelling my son's name. And I'm like, who on earth do you know? I'm thinking maybe it's a guy he works with. I don't know. It was a man's voice. And all of a sudden I hear him say, yo, I'm strong. Who is Armstrong? Well, there is a homeless man, barely a pair of shoes, barely a shirt, pants that were way too big. I think we've all seen people like this on the street. He's got his backpack and his shopping cart and his dog. And he's walking, yelling at my son. And my son stops, walks over to one of the roadside places that are selling water bottles before you get to the ballpark. And he buys a water bottle and he runs across the street to Armstrong. Now, as a mom, I'm thinking, (laughs) what have I done? My child is loving on homeless people. And then I thought, Lord, this is a picture of exactly what I taught my children. Mm -hmm. My children laugh a lot when I'm like, you guys be careful who you talk to or what you do. And they're like, mom, 
Remember stopping on the side of the road at Thanksgiving, giving the guy the bag of bread that we were supposed to be taking to a friend's house and like, yeah, but, but not them all. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we've seen it play out in our kids. We've seen them now in their jobs that, you know, you walk, I, I went and visited my middle son at the Arizona Diamondbacks spring training facility last year. And, and we were walking through and there's a guy raking in the bushes and he called him by name. And then there's a lady that's, you know, checking passes and he called her by name. And then we walk in and someone else calls him by name. And I'm thinking, Lord, this is all those spankings I gave him for not looking people in the eyes or, and don't judge me for spanking. It's sort of like, you know, like. uh, (laughs) I didn't spank enough. I, I spanked. I had three boys, so I, mean, <laughs> I had to be spankings in the jail's house. But it was like in those times that I would pull them aside and really scold them about mm-hmm. you treated that person rude. Mm-hmm. Now we taught our children the difference between danger stranger and mm-hmm. being kind, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. But seeing them now as adults and being kind to others um, in the Dominican Republic, we were staying at a house for Christmas and there was a man that worked on the property and every meal, one of my kids was making a plate to take to him. Mm-hmm. And you just look at those things. Now there's a lot, so don't get me wrong. There's a lot my kids are doing and have done that I'm like, <laughs> Jesus help me. I didn't teach them that. <laughs> I, I beg their girlfriends to forgive me that I, you know, I, I thought I taught them that and they don't remember or whatever, but um, in that, it's so beautiful to see that hospitality that my children feel towards other, that, that heartfelt compassion towards other people. Well, this has been an absolute delight. I know it'll be fun for people to hear your stories, but also to be inspired to uh, believe that God loves them just where they are and can use them just where they are. So Billy, thanks again. Thank you, Sue. I really appreciate you and, and keep doing such a great job. You're, oh. you're doing a great job on this podcast. Oh, you're, you as well. Talk to you soon. Bye. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.